turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 28. Amen, amen. Genesis chapter 28. Praise God. I feel the Lord in this place. Amen. He still wants to speak to us here today. We're going to begin reading in verse number 16. It tells us that Jacob waked out of his sleep. Actually, I'll just pause there and just tell you that this story it starts out where we're coming in on it is Jacob, this man that's introduced here, being a fugitive running from his brother. He's deceived and he's tricked his brother and his family one too many times and now his brother is ready to kill him for stealing everything that he thought he was rightfully owed. So now Jacob has had to say goodbye to his father. He's had to kiss his beloved mother goodbye, probably in his mind for the last time ever seeing them. It's a very terrible day here that we're coming to this at. There he's running away from all of his family and everything that he's known. And after all this time of running, he has fallen asleep on a rock. Or he's had a rock as his pillow and he has this dream. And when he wakes up from that dream, this is what happens here. So he awoke out of his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and he said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and he took the stone that he had put for his pillows and he set it up for a pillar and he poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying that if God be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. So we read here really about Jacob's conversion experience, if you will. It was here that he was reorienting his life to be on a different pathway, a pathway that would be following God wherever God took him. He was committing himself to following God. And today I want to speak on this subject, three memorials, three memorials. I wonder if we could just one more time as we're standing, uh, if we could just lift up our hands and I just want to pray that the Lord would speak to us and have his way in this place. Lord, you've already met us here in this house. Here we come now, Lord, and I pray, Lord, that as we receive this word, Lord, that it would impact us, Lord, that we could receive, God, everything that you would have for us. Lord, I I thank you, God, for everything that you've done, Lord, the the, the things that we've looked at in our past, Lord, that, that we could point to as moments, God, when you have been there and been true and been real. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that today, Lord, that you would solidify it yet once again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated here today. 
On this Memorial Day weekend, I began to think about the different types of memorials that you may see. I know that there's there's perhaps more types of memorials than these, but I thought of three main categories of memorials. These are these memorials even that we see here in our nat- in our nation, but you can also see them and we will look to them in our own life, our spiritual life as well. But I've got three words, three types of memorials. The one is soil and stone and sinew. Now I'll, I'll explain them as we go. The soil and stone and sinew. Now, if we look at a soil memorial, what is it that I'm speaking of here? And even today, perhaps some of you have been to a soil memorial, one that has to do with sacred ground. I've never been there myself, but the USS Arizona is a memorial that it represents the place where the Second World War uh, became really a, a certainty for the United States to enter into it. And this, of course, out in Hawaii, Pearl Harbor, is where that ship still lies. And there is a memorial where the USS Arizona that was uh, bombed and 11, uh, 1,177 soldiers passed away in that ship on that day. And that day will forever live in infamy. And that's sacred ground. It's a memorial. Perhaps some of you have been to a Civil War battleground. And you can go there and, and you can stand. And perhaps today you can, you know, at times you can even watch reenactments of what took place there on that ground a little over 150 years ago. And what's the purpose of that? What's the purpose of them keeping these battlegrounds. It's, I would say that it's to cause us to remember what happened on that piece of soil. To realize the significance of the soil. If you go to, uh, if you go to the 9-11 memorial, it's my understanding that this is not physically impressive. It's not some huge statue or or monument, but it's significant because of where it's located. That's not to say that it's not a beautiful memorial, but they they purposely made this a a, not a a large statue, but, but rather something where you would look at it and think of what used to stand here, what used to be on this piece of ground where 3,000 lives were taken. It's sacred soil. This is the place where there's significance to the location of this memorial. One of the most sacred pieces of soil in the United States is Arlington National Cemetery, where many U.S. soldiers are buried, and even two U.S. presidents are buried there. And and then you have the great tomb of the unknown soldier that's indicating that this place is sacred. I want to tell you that there are times... And there are places of sacred encounters with God that we should remember. That they should become sacred places in our lives. Sacred times in our lives. And 
See, Moses, if we go to Scripture, Moses, he was a man who himself was a fugitive. He was running from Egypt because he had uh, taken the life of a taskmaster who was uh, who was beating a, a, a Jewish slave. And, and you see him now running, running away. And all of a sudden, God got a hold of his attention at a burning bush. This is years afterwards, but still living as a fugitive in the desert or the wilderness. And God gets a hold of his attention by a burning bush. And as Moses turned aside and a voice came from that bush and and he said, uh, he said, there, there's something significant about this. And there's, this is different. Coming across a burning bush in the desert and it's, it just keeps on burning and it doesn't look like it's, it's being consumed. And, and so he, he, he's drawn to that bush and as he's drawn to it, all of a sudden a voice comes out just speaking to him and it tells him, hey, stop where you're at. Don't walk any further. In fact, take off your shoes for where you're standing. This is holy ground. This is a sacred place. This is a place where you're about to meet with God. This is a place where it's not like where you were just at walking around in the wilderness. You're you're about to come into the very presence of God. This is a place where God is going to speak to you. This is a place where God is going to reveal your destiny. This is a place where your life is about to be transformed. And from that day forward, Moses would never forget the significance of that soil. I'm sure that that was etched in his mind from that day forward of that encounter that he had with God where he was standing on holy ground with a holy God. See, Jacob, we're going to weave his story into this for the next several minutes, but Jacob, who we began with this text, we see him as a fugitive and he's, he's a fugitive from his brother, and his brother's about to kill him, and he had deceived him, he tricked him, he had kissed his mom and dad goodbye, and, and now here he is in this very stressful moment in his life, and he came that evening after running quickly to this area called Luz, and he laid himself down to sleep there in this, this place. And there, while he was laying with the stone as his pillow and thoughts running through his mind, I don't know if anybody else has ever been there before where it's like you've just been running and running and, and, and you just need to find somewhere to, to lie your head and, and as soon as you do, you're out. I'm sure that's what it was like for him. After, after all this time, he's, 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 he's had this traumatic experience. He's running away. He finally finds a place and he just lies down. And as soon as he falls down or comes down uh, and lays himself to rest, he, he falls asleep and begins to dream a dream. And this dream was not just any dream, for this was uh, something he could tell that had spiritual significance. He could tell that this was a place where God himself was, was giving him this dream. A significant moment in his life when, uh, when he was in its, the stressful circumstance, and, and God began to speak to him. And, and here we see that uh, this, this first encounter that is recorded, at least for us in Scripture, uh, of Jacob and God. This was Jacob's burning bush experience. It was during this experience that 
God began to speak to Jacob. And in his dream, he saw this ladder. And this ladder, it represented a connection between heaven and earth. And, and on this ladder were angels that were ascending and descending upon that ladder. And, and then at the top of the ladder, he saw this representation of God. And God began to speak to him. And, and he began to speak uh, uh, to, to Jacob. And all of a sudden, Jacob in this dream realizes that this God that he had been told about by his father and by his grandfather was not just stories about their God. This is no longer just my, my, my dad's God. This is no longer just my grandfather's God. But now this is him having a personal experience and saying, now I have my own connection with this God that they've told me about. He's having his own personal encounter with this living God. And, and God, he begins to speak to Jacob and he began to declare with him, uh, to him, that there was a covenant, the same covenant that he had made with his grandfather Abraham and with his father Isaac. And now God wants to make the same covenant with him, Jacob, that is, that if he would serve him, that God would be committed to blessing him. When he awakes from that dream, when he awakes, awakes from that encounter, it tells us that he places there a pillar. He took that stone that he had had for his pillow and he, he, he turns it into a, a pillar and he, he calls this place Bethel, which is the house of God. He had this encounter with God and there he made this commitment and his words of a, of a vow to God. This is a place of transformation, a place where his life had been changed. And I can go on and on about what this would have been like for him. But you can imagine just for him having an encounter like that with God. How breathtaking that would be. How life changing that would be. And he wanted to mark it. He wanted to mark that encounter that he had with God. And so he places a memorial there or a pillar there. So that he could revisit the place that God met him. If we come to the New Testament, we see a, a man, his name was Saul, and he was a persecutor of Christians. He was trying to, to stamp out this New Testament church that was beginning to gain traction, and, and he was on his way to Damascus one day. He's getting ready to wipe out some Christians who, uh, who were there in the city of Damascus, and, and on his way there, he had his own encounter that God shone a light from heaven and it knocked him off of his, off his horse and, and he was there and he, he's, he's blinded and, and God begins to speak to him and, and God says to Saul, he says, why are you fighting against me? He says, you should be on my side and, and, and he's, he's saying, Saul, saying back to God, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And it was at that point in this transition for Saul that he could never be the person that he used to be. He had had an encounter with God that, that his whole agenda for life had been changed and transformed right there in that moment. And, and he, his, his purpose, his direction, everything was changed because he was standing now on holy ground. What made a holy is that God was there. God met him there on that road to Damascus. He had a transformation moment. Bethel, if we go back to Jacob, Bethel, the house of God. 
Jacob said, this is a sacred place. This is the place of a divine encounter. This is, this is the same thing that Paul experiences, a divine encounter. And, and we, can, we can look at others who had divine encounters in Scripture. There's a man uh, named Naaman. He's in the Old Testament, but Naaman, he was, man, it's, it's, you see a story in 2 Kings. It's a fascinating story. Naaman was, uh, he was a, a top officer in the, in the Syrian army. And when you understand a little bit about biblical history, you understand that the Syrians, they were one of the greatest enemies of the northern kingdom of Israel. But this man apparently was a pretty good guy. He, he, we see him and, uh, in, in the second chapter of Kings, uh, second Kings, or I'm sorry, in chapter five of second Kings. Uh, it says that Naaman was great, he was honorable, he was a man of valor, but he also was a leper. He contracted leprosy. And that day, leprosy was a, one of the most dreaded diseases that you could have. You, you became a pariah when you had leprosy. And uh, it was a skin disease, it was a death sentence, it destroyed life. It, uh, every, you know, nothing else in your life would ever be the same. You could be wealthy, but if you were a leper, all your wealth didn't matter. And that's where Naaman found himself. Of course, we, we understand through Scripture the, the typology that's connected to leprosy, that leprosy is this, this type of sin, or it's this uh, typology of, of sin for our life. And he had this problem uh, in, in his life of this being a leper. And the story goes on that he... Uh, there was this Hebrew who was living in his house, who was a servant living in his house. And she, uh, she comes to her, her mistress one day and she says, I just wish that Master Naaman could go and meet this prophet that's in northern Israel. Because if he could meet that prophet, his name is Elisha, if he could meet him, I, I know that he could be healed of his leprosy. So Naaman, hearing about this man, hearing about Elisha, goes and he sends to the prophet Elisha a, a letter uh, telling him that he would like to meet with him. And, and, and the story goes that Elisha sent this message back to Naaman that said, you need to go and you need to dip seven times in the Jordan River. And if, you're, and, and if you do this, then your skin will be cleansed. You'll be healed in your life. It's going to be changed. And Naaman originally... He's pretty offended by this. He being a Syrian general says, there's a bunch of clean rivers around me. If I just need to go find a river, how about I go to one of these clean rivers? The Jordan River, that's the dirtiest river around. But having some hope, he listens to what the prophet had said to him. And he eventually goes to the Jordan River. He agrees to go there and dips one, two, three. Finally, on the seventh dip, he comes up and, and, and after dipping himself in that water seven times, his skin is completely cleansed from the leprosy. Now, as I said, this leprosy, it's this prototype of sin and this experience in the Jordan was, was similar to what takes place in baptism. We see uh, the, the, lepers, uh, the leprosy being washed away, just the same baptism. The remission of sins uh, takes place through baptism and, and, and you can't read through this story without thinking about the, you know, the connection there. At least I can't. 
about how baptism, it, it washes away my sins. And I think back to the time when I was baptized. I was just talking to my kids about it last night. We were doing devotions and, and, uh, and talk, the, there was a question within the devotions that uh, was, was them asking me about my experience when I was baptized. And I was telling them when I was seven years old at, at, at Apostolic Temple. And I remember that day. In fact, uh, if uh, cooks that are here with us, and it was one of your uh, grand, uh, or one of your um, relatives as well. I was baptized the same day as Clint Cook. And uh, the same day, my cousin, that we were baptized on that day. And i never forget that time where you come up out of that water and you feel as clean as you'll ever feel. You feel so different. And it's a day that you look back on that you'll never forget the day when you had your sins washed away. I never will forget the day when my sins were washed away. But Naaman... He came up out of that water and he went back to the house of Elisha and he he said, Jehovah is the only God that's worthy of praise. He said, no pagan deserves my praise. There's there's no no pagan God that that I could serve because it's your God that just healed me of my leprosy. Because my life from this day forth is, is set on pursuing and serving the one true God that had the power to change my life. And it's interesting, we see that Naaman, he tried to give Elisha the gifts, some gifts of gold and of silver and of garments. And, and Elisha, he refused all these gifts. And yet Naaman, he said, here's my last request. You see this in 2 Kings 5, verse 17. It says that Naaman said, shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules burden of earth. For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. Here's what Naaman is saying. He said, my life has been changed. I found where true power in life change can really happen. And it's the God of Israel. It's, it's Jehovah. And, and I've got to go back to Damascus, to my family, and to my job. And, and if it's okay with you, I want to take two full mule burdens worth of this soil with me. He said, I, I have a cart. I have, I have some mules that they're able to, to, to haul this cart. And, and if you, if you are, are okay with it, can I just scoop up some of this soil here? This place where my life was changed. And I want to take this soil with me back to my homeland so that I can tell others that it was this soil here that my life was forever changed. See, what he was doing was he was trying to take some of this holy ground with him. He was trying to set up something that he could remember this, a memorial for himself. That even though he lived in a pagan land where he needed, uh, what he needed um, to do was to be able to call on God and to remember the place where God set him free. What he was trying to do was to take back with him this, this memorial of, of the very location where his life was changed. He was saying, I'm not going to bow down to those other gods. I, I'm, not, I'm not going to live the same way that I used to live. I, I know that this is the place where my life was changed. Let me just take a memorial of the soil with me. So I want to remind you today that there is a memorial place in your life. Where God found you. Where God 
He got a hold of your life. He got your attention. Where God transformed you. Well, there's, there's a testimony that you could tell about where you first had an encounter with God. There's a, te- there's a soil memorial that you, could, that you could point to. A place where you remember that you used to have a mind that was this way. And now God changed your mind and he transformed your life. Come on, there's a soil memorial for, for every one of you in this place. Of where God, he met you for the very first time. There was a place where you used to have, uh, you used to have all of your hopes and dreams wrapped up in something that was just temporary. But God said, "Let's put it on something that's eternal." Where God, He's taking that void that's in your heart, and He's saying, "Let me fill that void with the one thing that can truly fill it, and that is my Spirit." And God came and He filled you with His Spirit, and and you had something that from that day forward you could point to and say, "This is my soil memorial. This is the place that I remember when God met me." Can you remember that place? Can you remember that time where you were baptized? Or maybe when you received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Can you remember the place where you cried out to God for the very first time? Can you remember the place even perhaps when you were just frustrated. And it wasn't the first time that you met God. But you were frustrated. And there were things going on in your life. And you said, God, I just need you. I don't know what's going on. And God met you right there in that place. Well, something, situations in your life going haywire and God, he came right in and he said, here, let me meet you. And it became a holy ground type of moment, a burning bush type of moment where he said, I know that God was there with me. This is a soil memorial. See, the second type of memorial that I want to point to today is a stone memorial. These are physical memorials that... Remind us of events. They may not actually have a location, but but they are uh, erected and they're carved out of stone to remind us of something. One of these examples that we may see is the the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. You can go there and you can see all the the names that are carved into the stone. These these names of the thousands of men who gave their lives serving our country in Vietnam. Perhaps if you've been to uh, been to Washington D.C., you've gone up the uh, the eighty-seven steps up to the Lincoln Memorial, and you've seen this massive carved structure that reminds us of not just that man, but of those soldiers who fought to preserve the Union. Maybe it's Mount Rushmore, where you can see carved in stone some memorials, memorials that. They may not be sacred ground themselves, but they're reminding us of individuals and of specific events that took place in our life. So there are biblical stone memorials that remind us or that that served as reminders for individuals. In Joshua chapter four and verse five, it says that Joshua said to them, pass over before the ark of the Lord, your God into the midst of Jordan. Take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? And then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. 
And when it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. This takes place just as the children of Israel are crossing over into the promised land. This this time where they're finally going into the the place where all their struggles and all their difficulties over the last 40 years are culminating in this moment where they're finally going to possess the land that was promised to them. Many of you, you know the story. When it came time for them to enter into the promised land at first, they, the, the, or at this time that the waters, they were swollen. There was no way for them to get over. It's the flood season. But God supernaturally parts the waters. And Joshua, he says, guys, when we go through, I want you to pick up a stone. And as you grab that stone, carry that on over to the other side because we're going to build us a memorial so that we can remember this and not just us, but the next generation and the generation after that and the generation after that. And when they see this memorial, they can point to the place or they can point to this event that took place when God miraculously brought us into the land that we will possess. And he's, he's building for them a memorial about a reminder of how God supernaturally made it possible for them to go and possess the land. These are these memorials of stone. And in our spiritual lives, there are moments where God, he has provided for us along the way. And, and it's not our initial experience of conversion, but, but the, the, you know, the times when along the journey, God made a way for us. I can recall times in my life, and I imagine that you have testimonies yourself, uh, of, of you, you were out of money. When I got married young, in college, broke, barely had any food in the cupboards, lived in a tiny apartment with, uh, where it was, there was nothing. We had our, our end tables were, uh, were cardboard boxes with, uh, with sheets over them. Our entertainment was a fish tank that we looked at. I remember those days, but still looking at, at and when things were, you, you looked in the bank account, it's like, okay, where, where's the next uh, bill going to be paid from? But God made a way, and, and God has always made a way time after time after time after time. Come on, you ever been there when, when you needed God and he showed up and you have no other explanation for it except to say that God, come on, you gave me a testimony today. God, I can't, come on. Maybe it was a sickness that you were plagued with, but God showed up in a hospital bed when you were there and I remember the day. Well, now I remember the day it wasn't myself, but my son, my oldest son, when he was just a little boy being rushed to the hospital and not knowing, you know, what is going on. He goes limp in my wife's arms as we're rushing to the hospital and he has to have a spinal tap when he's there. We began to call on the name of the Lord and God showed up there in the hospital room and he's still here today. And I'm thankful. Come on for the testimonies of what God can do in the events in our life when God shows up. 
I'm sure that there's testimonies here that you could tell. In fact, I began this morning as we were meeting at 9 o'clock with all of our volunteers and our dream team and everybody. And and we began to just open it up for some testimonies. And people began to share testimonies of what God has done in their life and memorials of events, of things that God is doing. And I'm so thankful that the testimonies remain today, that we can look back and say, that was the day. Well, those are the times when God showed up and I'm thankful for it I'm thankful for every time that God has made a way I'm thankful for everything I'm thankful even for the test because without the test I wouldn't have the testimony I'm thankful for it I'm thankful that there were times when I struggled because if I didn't ever struggle then I wouldn't really know that God is my provider I'm thankful that there are times when things go wrong because if things didn't ever go wrong, then I would never really have to count on a God who could show up in just the mention of his name. Well, these are these stone memorials that you can put in these times in your life that you can tell your children about or you can tell a neighbor about or you can tell somebody else that's just wanting to know what has God ever done for you? Oh, you want to know what God's done for me? I can tell you that God has been there time after time after time. There are stone memorials that I can point to events in my life where I know that God is real. Oh, it wouldn't be sad. Wouldn't it be sad if God just simply saved us in, in the very beginning, but then he was just checked out for the rest of our life? See, that's not how God is. God is there time after time, and we see him, and we point to these memorials. Well, there's things that God has done for you. I, I think it's healthy for us to remember back on the times, the, the things that God has done. I think it's a, a good thing for us to do to set up some memorials, some stone memorials of those events. Where when others are asking us or, or telling us about things that they're going through, we can point back to the memorial in our own life. Say, you know, there's a time when I was struggling and I was full of anxiety and I, was, I had fear, and I was wondering, you know, if I'm going to make it. But let me tell you about this memorial, about what God did for me when I was in that place where you are. It's in Genesis chapter 35, verse 6, that Jacob, he also set up a stone memorial. This is years later from the story that we talked about previously, and now he's, he's coming. He's, God has richly blessed him. His relationship with Esau is healed. They've reconnected. Their situation is resolved. And, and now we have him here. And uh, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 35, verse 7. He comes back years later to that place of Bethel where God had restored that which was broken. And when he comes here in verse 7, uh, he and all the people that were with him, it says that he built there an altar. And he called the place El Bethel because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. We already learned what Bethel means. It means the house of God. So what do you think El Bethel means? It means the God of the house of God. The God of the house of God. You see, this is where it goes beyond just religion. When 
you've seen him provide for you and you've seen the Lord make a way for you and he started you out on this way, there's the promise. And now you can say, he's a God of his word. He's a God who said that he would bless me if I came into covenant with him. And he's a God of his word. He's a God who, who I had an experience with him a long time ago. And he met me here. And he, and he began to tell me about some things that were going to happen in my, my life. And, and he's the God of his word. Do I have anybody here today who, who you can declare today that God has, has fought for you and he's made a way for you and that God is a God of his word? That God will show up and he's, he's with you? God will be with you and there's t- events and things in your life that God has, has shown up. And I'm thankful that I can point back to the events in my life where I know that God is a God of his word. See, this third and final memorial It's not a stationary memorial. This is a mobile memorial. The first two of these, the soil and the stone, uh, but this third one is sinew. This is a memorial, there is a, there's a memorial that uh, was opened in Washington, D.C. in October of 2014. It's called the American Veterans Disabled for Life Memorial. These are four individuals who weren't buried overseas but a limb was buried overseas because their life was impacted and they're disabled for life see as i talk about sinew that word sinew is another word for flesh but sinew itself it's or to be exact it's speaking of a tendon it's it's a part of the body and those Men with those wounds from a battle, who, who they, those wounds, they serve as a constant reminder of the sacrifice that was made. The wounds themselves are a memorial. The mobile memorial is those wounds that they are carrying around, those wounds of war. This is the memorial of sinew. And everywhere that they go, maybe they walk with a limp or their life in some way, it's been impacted, it's been altered. And we see again a memorial that Jacob has as he walks around with this memorial of sinew. It's in Genesis chapter 32, verse 25, that Jacob's life, he comes to a point where he's at this brook called Jabbok, and he's there getting in a wrestling match with an angel or a theophany, and and, and we see it. I'll read this passage in Genesis 32, verse 25. It says that when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. This is the angel touching the hollow of Jacob's thigh, and he put it out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. He said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and you have prevailed. And Jacob asked him, and he said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? But he did bless him. And Jacob called the name of that place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. He walked with a limp from that day forward. 
The next verse says, Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and the sinew that shrank. From that day forward, Jacob's life, or now Israel, his life was altered. See, the greatest memorial that we can have is this memorial of sinew. Jacob, he had a memorial of soil where God had called him, where God had given him direction and given him destiny for his life. He had a memorial of stone where God had provided for him, and he did what he promised that he would do. He reunited him with his brother. But the greatest and the most noticeable memorial in Jacob's life was the memorial of the sinew. This tendon that was torn or shrunk. Every day of his life, from that day forward, he remembered what God had done. Every time that he woke up, he remembered. Every time that somebody saw him walking with a limp, they remembered. It wasn't now just a matter of going to a place. It wasn't just a matter of seeing a particular stone monument. But every day, everywhere that he went, he was a living memorial. Now, what was this a memorial of? This was a memorial, number one, of the calling and the transformation that God had done in him. That God not only provided for his needs, but God was so interested in him experiencing his destiny that he wouldn't allow him to just stay in the brokenness of his past chapters of life. But now he's saying, I'm going to wound you so that you know that from this day forward, everything is going to be different. You're going to walk differently. You're going to be different. You're going to look different. And I know that the wounding there that day was a symbol of something so much deeper. His name, yes, it was Jacob from that day, uh, from before, but it was about to be changed to Israel. He was going to be the namesake of God's people, the bearer of the covenant. He was going to be the one that, that God was uh, you know, turning from a deceitful man, Jacob, meaning a deceiver, to the one who is a prince of God, Israel, the one that God is going to use to, to birth a nation. See, the greatest memorial in my life is not just that I've been saved. The greatest memorial in my life is not just that the Lord has provided for me and he's done miracles in my life and he's always been there. But the greatest memorial is that sometimes God let me go through some things and experience some hurt and some pain at times so that he could remove from me my selfishness and that he could get me out of my comfort zone and that God could begin to work on my character flaws and things that without going through the test and the trial, I would still be the same man that I was. See, all of us have issues. Jacob had them from the moment that he was born. He was grabbing a hold of his brother's heel. He was a heel grabber and always trying to get his way to the top. Some people, they pick up some things along the way from from abuse and hurt and it brings these Elements into their character about who they are that hinders what God truly wants to do in their life. But God says, I love you enough not to leave you there. 
I love you enough not to, to leave you as, as just a partial, uh, partial view of, of, of my glory. I, I want to bring everything uh, that, I, that I want to in you so that others can see my glory through you. So that others can see who I am through your life being transformed. And God says, I don't want to just leave you in your brokenness. I don't want to just leave you in this and that. And sometimes that means that I need to, to have you go through some pain. And I need you to go through some things in your life so that you can be completely transformed and come out the other side as a testimony for me. Your character's changed because of the touch of God on your life. The sinew being shrunk and being changed. You walk with a limp. You look different. You act different. And it's, it's, not out of, it's not out of just, you know, looking beaten and broken and, and all that. No, you come out knowing that God loves you. You come out knowing that he doesn't leave you in brokenness. You know that God, he has a purpose for your life. And you know, come on, from this day forward, I walk with a limp into my destiny because I don't want to just walk normally into my own path and my own way. No, I want to walk the way that God has shaped me and formed me into the purpose that God has for me. Well, does anybody have a testimony where you've been through things that when you got off of God's purpose. He, he got off track that God, thankfully, he got a hold of you. Well, that God didn't allow you just to keep on going down that path, but, but he sent you some tests and trials to, to get your attention to say, come on, wake up. You need to get back on track with where I've called you to. I'm thankful for the test and the trial. I'm thankful for the times when God shook me and he made me go through some things to say, come on, get your mind straight. I need, I have a purpose and a plan for your life. I'm thankful for the sinew. I'm thankful for the things where I walk differently because God met me. I walk differently because I had to go through something. I'm thankful that God, he didn't leave me there, but yet he, 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 Reoriented uh, my life so that I would pursue Him. And I'm going to bring this a little close here now, and if we can have our musicians come. You're wondering what's what's the purpose of all of this? I I think back to, to times I've been to Washington D.C. A, a couple of times, and and going to the memorials and, and visiting all of these things there and. And I look at the memorials and I, I just try to imagine what it was like, you know, for, for these who, who gave their life, for, for those who, uh, who stood, stood above, you know, as, as leaders for our nation and, and are memorializing all these things. And, and, it, and it, you know, captivates me. I go to these war memorials and, and you see all the names of those that... And that gave their lives and, and you get emotional about it. But I, I recall looking over as, as I'm at these memorials and seeing men who they were veterans. And for them, it's different, a different experience for them than it was for me. Because for me, I'm just trying to imagine what it's like, but for them... They were there. For them, they're, they're going to the names of, of their comrades and their, their, their 
friends who they were fighting in that war right next to them. For them, it was, this is a memorial that's pointing them back. It's personal. But I'm thankful for the memorials that you have in your life today. And, and I can praise God for them. And I can tell somebody those stories. But there's nothing like going back to what God's done in my life. There's nothing like going back to the memorials of what God has done. Those, those places where God met you. Those events where God, come on, that he, he transformed your life and He proved that He is who He says He is. There's nothing like God coming in and changing and transforming your life. Allowing you to go through the tests and the trials so that you can come out pure. Pure as gold. That was tried in the fire. See, so for some of you, it's been a few years since your soil conversion. But today, I just want to remind you that that sacred place and that sacred time when the Lord got a hold of you, can you just remember that day? Can you give God thanks for that day? Can you think back to when God met you and that, that conversion experience where, where, where He met you for the very first time? See, for some of you, it's, it's time to remember those stone memorials where God fought for you and where God worked a miracle in your life and, and maybe He healed your loved one or God fixed your marriage or maybe it was that God uh, took what was broken and He put it back together again. And somebody, you ought to be able to give God thanks today here on this Memorial Day weekend as you remember those stone memorials and things that God has done for you. There are some of us in the house today that our greatest joy is to say, thank you, God, for afflicting me. Thank you for putting a limp in my step. And thank you for impacting my life so that I can be more like you. For not allowing me to just pursue my hopes and dreams and all these things that, that would have just got me off the path that truly I should be on because I was just chasing things that were temporal. I was just chasing the things in this, this earth. Instead, God, you got a hold of me. And I'm thankful, God, that you put me on this path. I want to pursue heavenly things, things that are eternal. What if we could just all stand right now? Just for a few moments here before we leave, if we could, every guest, every friend, every member, just lift up a hand. And if you want to make your way up to this altar, you, you're welcome to. If we could just take a, a moment here right now and just begin to, to pray a prayer of thanksgiving. As we look back on these memorials, these things that God has done for us and we just give God thanks today for what He has done. God, I thank you for every memorial. God, I thank you, God, for that first time that you met me. God, I thank you. God, in fact, I know that the memorials are not done. And if today you're in that wrestling match where God is touching your thigh even right now, amen, I want you to just begin to give God thanks for the test and the trial that you're going through. To know that God's going, God is just transforming you into His image. That He's just working some things out. 
Amen. Would you just give God praise? generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening in your coming in your going and you're weeping and rejoicing. He is for you. He is for 
morning, in the evening, and you're coming, and you're going, and you're weeping and rejoicing. He is for you, He is for you. May His favor be upon you, and a thousand generations, and your family, and your children, and their children, and their children. May His presence go before you, and behind you, and beside you, all around you, and within you. He is with you, He is with you. In the morning, in the evening, in your coming, and your going, in your weeping, and rejoicing, He is for you, He is for you. have discovered fairly recently the effect that gratitude has on somebody's health and somebody's life and just having gratitude for what God has done for you it's it gives you health it gives you life. It's just say, just looking back and on the memorials and setting up memorials and, and having gratitude to God for what He has done for us. Amen. It, it even affects you now when you go back and you revisit those memorials. You say, God, I thank you. And I thank you even in the midst, God, of a, maybe some test and trial I'm going through right now. God, I still thank you for what you've done. God, I want to revisit the memorials. Those things, God, where you met me and there's no doubt, Lord, that you were there. God, I still believe that you're here right now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're still praying, amen, please feel free to pray. Amen. God is so good to us all the time. Amen. I pray that you have a a safe Memorial Day weekend, that you're able to spend some time with your family. Amen. God bless you, church. We love you. And you go and be the church everywhere that you are this week. God bless.